Welcome to Shared Insights, the podcast from BA Insight. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm joined today by BA Insight CTO and Chief Customer Officer, Sean Coleman. Hello again, Sean. Great to always be here, Pete. Good to talk to you. And founder of Boston-based KMW Technology, enterprise search, big data, and AI services consulting company, and Shared Insight's first-timer and member of the BA Insight Advisory Board, Kevin Waters, is with us. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Thanks, Pete. Pleasure to be here. Now, we are here to, uh, I I should say, I am here to host a conversation uh, between the two of you. And uh, as much as I was trying to position this as, as a grudge match smackdown, You'll, you'll buy the seat, but you'll only need the edge. Uh, elastic versus solar. Is there a right answer to this question? Uh, I, I, I hope that between the two of you, we can hash out, uh, the, uh, where elastic and solar are in the spectrum of, of tools. Sean, I'm hoping you can start with, uh, how you might approach this question from a high level. And then we have this fantastic expert in Kevin to help us dig into the weeds a bit from there. Does that sound fair? I think I think that does. I mean, I, I, as as Kevin and I were were talking over this, I think we had kind of the same idea, maybe that you were alluding to there, Pete, which was, you know, what, let, let's do a podcast that's really, hey, which one should I pick, and and what's the, you know, what, which one's better than the other in a SmackDown, and and as him and I were talking about it, it gets down to, gosh, it's much more nuanced than that, right? The the the, the differences between these. It's not. It's not black and white. It's not cut and dry. It's not a. It's not a definitive answer of this one's better than the other one. But there are some differences, right? Some very specific differences. Uh, and I think Kevin's got a, a great history that will that will take us take us through that. But I think my take on it is, and what I hope that people get out of this podcast is, if you you know if if you are evaluating between the two, what are the things that you should know? Right? What are the the, the you know the differences that we would call out? And then. From a business perspective, you know how would that how would that impact you? Why why would you why would that matter to you? Kind of thing, and that's what I'm hoping to to kind of take and and as we get through it, uh, every, everybody learns something. But uh, interested in, in Kevin and in, in your thought when we when we started talking about this and and in your first first take on the subject. Yeah, you know this is a topic that comes up um, pretty much every every project that we work on that that relates to either solar or elastic, really anything related to search. Um, because let's just say the juggernaut in the, the room is the Lucene library itself. <clears throat> and seeing that both Elastic and Solar are built on top of Lucene, there is definitely a lot of overlap uh, in terms of their technologies. But I think that the two platforms have kind of differentiated themselves in a handful of different ways. And based on those differentiations, you, you might want to favor one versus the other for your application. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go into some of those things. How would you discuss the differences on open source between the two? Both platforms, based on the open source library Lucene, under the Apache 2.0 license, you know, they both are in a way open source in that you can get to the, the code for them. Uh, you can download the code, you can bring it up in your, your development environment, set breakpoints if you need to, extend it, recompile it yourself, and, and really both platforms give you that. Um, there is one major difference in terms of the open source aspects of both Elastic and Solar, though, that should be noted, uh, is that, to my knowledge, the only committers for the Elasticsearch code base work for Elasticsearch. So whereas the code base is open source, it isn't necessarily open for other people to become committers. It's controlled by a commercial entity. Uh, in contrast to Solar, 
which I think has something like uh, representatives from about 80 different companies, uh, from from Bloomberg to uh, Apple, um, you know, some of the major technology players, and they all contribute, and they all have a sort of much more equal saying on uh, on what patches get delivered and, and committed in, whereas any patches to the Elasticsearch code base have to go through Elasticsearch, you know, so so. Yeah, technically you can say that, that both of the platforms are open source, um, but in terms of having an open community, uh, I think that Solar clearly is, is a, a clear winner in this area. Um, I think that most recently at the uh, Elasticarn conference this year, there was a big announcement towards uh, open sourcing XPAC, which is a plugin for Elasticsearch. And um, I think that announcement had some mixed reviews from some of my contemporaries in the industry, in that uh, as much as it, it is an open source thing, it's still licensed. So, uh, yeah, they can call it open source. The code is open, but you're still going to get hit for a license on it, as far as I understand. Yeah, I think that, I think those are good points. I mean, I think when when I've talked to other people around, you know, the difference is in open source, and and I, and I think it's a, a great point to say, hey, look, you know, from the solar side, there there's lots of people contributing in that that kind of you know born and bred kind of view of, of open source. And then on the Elastic side, it is slightly different. And so I think that the advice that, that I've heard or I've, I've you know, given to others is it, it really kind of depends on uh, on what what's important to you as a company. So if you're evaluating these two and you think that, you know, we're going to start developing and we're going to build features and we're going to contribute and we're going to see it grow, that may not be what would happen with Elastic. That would definitely potentially could happen with Solar. But if you're if you're looking for you know I'm I'm I want the open source side so I have access to the code the code base and to, to really you know get that knowledge of specifically how it works. But maybe you're you know you're not as interested into where the commits are coming from or your your ability to contribute at that level. Uh, that may be a difference for you for you to evaluate. So that's kind of what my takeaway on that would be. Yeah, Sean. So you're exactly right about that, and I, I think it really brings up a whole category of any enterprise that deals with open source. Anytime you pull an open source project into your your internal software, whatever project you're working on, you are always considered downstream development. And anytime you need to make a change upstream, um, you don't know whether or not that change is going to exist from you know this release to the next release of that open source project. And one of the things that, that I've actually found on projects before is that when you are able to contribute your changes back upstream and those become available for you later on, then the cost of maintenance and the cost of ownership of that code goes to zero, which is very often an unaccounted for cost in the, the product development lifecycle. Yeah, I mean, imagine you just... You, you have some new awesome feature technology that enables you to, you know, provide better analytics or search, whatever it happens to be. And then all of a sudden, it becomes free for you to maintain because the community maintains it for you. Which, you know, of course means that you have good unit tests and stuff. But so long as your unit tests are good, when you push them back upstream... They become part of the core feature set of that technology that you're embracing. So let's talk a little bit about integrations and API capabilities between the two. Does one offer a leg up in terms of uh, interconnectability with other services? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, a good question. And I, I have to tip my hat to Elasticsearch on this one a little bit. And the reality is that 
perhaps because Elasticsearch's code base is controlled by you know a single organization effectively, it has given them latitude to provide a very consistent API, a RESTful-based JSON API that kind of allows every interaction with the system to operate in a very similar sort of way. Solar, by contrast, uh, being an older code base contributed to by a lot more organizations and people, tend to have slightly different flavors for different APIs. And it's, it's not quite as a unified, consistent experience to an end user if you're integrating. Um, doesn't mean that the features aren't there. It's just the way that you interact with one endpoint in Solar versus uh, an endpoint in Elastic could semantically be a little bit different. And, uh, you know, luckily documentation is, is there to help you on that. Um, you know, Elasticsearch also has a, a lot of nice documentation that provides you example, like curl commands so you can post or get or delete indexes. Whereas in, you know, Solar, like creating a new collection versus creating an index, uh, creating a new collection in, in Solar is kind of a, a curl command with a bunch of REST parameters that have evolved over time. And uh, Elasticsearch, you, you posted a body of JSON. <clears throat> Well, if you know the, the sort of format of that JSON, then it kind of is, is documenting in a way and you know that you're making a valid request. Whereas in Solar, you know, the, the API will give you feedback if there's an error. Um, I think that the, the industry is kind of moving more towards these, these JSON type of requests rather than query parameters on a URL stream. Yeah, and I know one of the things that we that we've heard, you know, we've we've been dealing, you know, primarily with Elastic. I think Kevin, you bring a lot of the experience on the solar side, but from from Elastic, we've seen. I mean, you always deal with a, a you know an API that's that's growing up, right? So the API is increasing and it's changing. The backend infrastructures are changing, right? How does that how does that API that you're you're using in one version uh, maintain to the next version? And I know that there's been some some heartache over the, the, you know, version changes on Elastic and the, and the changes in the API. And you did one thing one way and you did something the other. And I, I, and I believe I've heard, and Kevin, interesting in, in your take that maybe that's not as often happening on the solar side uh, and, and, and what you're interested in and what you think about that. Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good point to bring up um, is that solar has had this uh, solar J client, the Java based client for, for querying and interacting with solar and solar cloud. Uh, and, you know, realistically, I could use a solar J client from version like 1.4, like, you know, five, six, seven years ago, and I could still query a solar instance today. Um, Elasticsearch, by contrast, has had probably like three or four different versions of their client-side API that manage things like adding content or searching a, a, a cluster. And I think that there's been, you know, from major release from like 2.3, 5.0, 6.0, uh, the recommended client-side libraries have changed a few times. So, you know, from that perspective, they've been a lot less stable on a client-side integration perspective. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that they're actually deprecating the use of some of the the older Elastic clients uh, in, in current versions. So, you know, that's a, that's a good example of upstream code changing out from you so that when you go to upgrade, now you've got to make Java changes or, or code changes on your client side. Whereas I feel like Solar has been a little bit more stable and consistent about that from day one. Yeah. And I think it, I think it speaks to the point when I, when, when we've, when I've talked to people about this, it's been, 
you know, you, you got to look at you got to look at everything from every angle, right? So you want to look at it from um, you know, with the capabilities that you need, right? You're checking all the boxes, but then, you know, we, we spoke a little bit, you know, just, just a second ago around, you know, that kind of hidden cost. Well, the change in an API is a hidden cost because if you're, if it changes on you and you got to go and rework some of your code, uh, you've got that. So I would, that's just one of the things that, that I would put out there for people is to take a look at that. I mean, you would expect that as Elastic continues to mature, that that probably slows down. I mean, salesforce.com went through, a lot of the same things before they figured out to version their APIs and do some backward compatibility stuff uh, to help people. But, um, you know, something to look at and something to really go, okay, you know, what kind of things have changed and maybe they're good changes and there's stuff that you want, um, you know, but uh, it's yeah. something to know about. Um, definitely, definitely a, uh, a point of contention is really, it's, it's the, the maintenance of it all. You know, you don't want your, your technology to really change out from you when you upgrade you don't want big surprises and and with any software the more mature it is the the less those changes typically come around and and elastic is kind of reaching that same point of maturity now but th these are some of the growing pains that people have had with it going through the past few years well speaking of uh of uh growing pains let's talk about core features that have cemented themselves in the two uh are there two core features that really uh extend the use that you're excited about one over the other so some some core features there's there are some very you know common sort of core features that exist in both of them. And this is, you know, being able to index and search free text, do relevancy calculations, specify different tokenization based on language detection or, or th things of those nature. And th this is just kind of the, the bread and butter of search, right? Give me TFIDF scoring, give me, you know, BM25 scoring, whatever relevancy model I, I have. Let me define a, a schema or a mapping, uh, depending on whether or not you're solar or Elasticsearch, to, to structure my data. This, these are all, like, common, you know, pieces of feature between the two. But I think that for, for a longer time, Elasticsearch has really focused on uh, it's it's feature called aggregators, right? And these aggregators are effectively being able to crunch over all of your data, roll them up into buckets, and give you analytics on those buckets. Um, Solar calls it a facet, right? So a lot of times when we're talking about features, you know, we could be saying facet, we could say aggregation. Technically speaking, we're really talking about the same feature. And it's a question of what sort of features within facets exist versus what features exist in uh, Elasticsearch's aggregators. Well, Elasticsearch is really kind of, uh, from the get-go, I feel like they've positioned them more as like an analytics engine as compared to a free text search engine. Um, and as a result, their aggregators for a longer period of time have supported things like, you know, sums, averages, min, max, standard deviation calculation on structured data. Whereas Solar was kind of more in a term-based sort of faceting mode, which works great for like e-commerce scenarios. You're doing a search for TV. You want to see a breakdown of Sony versus Panasonic versus Samsung, whatever it is. I mean, that's what we're really talking about is is powering that, you know, we call faceted navigation. Um, you know, facets and, and aggregators are effectively the same thing in terms of functionality. Uh, when it comes to like, flexibility of how you express those aggregators, Elasticsearch has had a more 
complete API for longer. <clears throat> I don't think it was until version 6.0 of Solar uh, where Yannick Seeley, the creator of Solar, added the JSON Facet API, which was really an answer to the, the features that people had in Elasticsearch that were missing at the time for, for Solar. And it's kind of a funny thing that you have both of these communities on top of Lucene, you have Elasticsearch and Solar, and they're actually beginning to compete with each other in terms of features and feature parity. So in a way, they say uh, competition is good for the consumer. Uh, I think it's very clear that that's the same case here between Solar and Elastic. Yeah, I think I think those are great points. I mean, I think when when one of the things that we see, especially from the use cases of you know, in, an enterprise search use case of, of, I've got enterprise data, right? Well, what, what is enterprise data? The majority of the time it's text based, right? It's documents, it's things that people have written, it's emails, the things that, that you want to find, right? And, and that I think that some of the differences you're pointing out there are, are kind of the, the, how each, each engine grew up, right? So I think Solar really was focused on that text based search from the beginning while Elastic kind of cut their teeth on Logstash and, and some of the analysis of there, which, the things you point out, you know, the standard deviations, the things are really important there. Uh, you know, you're seeing that that gap uh, close. I mean, they're both highly viable enterprise search applications, but I think it's interesting, you know, when you when you look at the differences when you when you compare that to kind of where they came from. But yeah, now it's a it's a little it's a little back and forth. You know, we we've got this, and then Solar's going to do something that that's that's similar, and then Solar's got something. Alas, is going to do something that's similar. So you're starting to see that that kind of feature parity catch up, but it is. It is interesting to look back at the history and see how uh, how those differences kind of came to be. Both projects are really addressing the the community's needs on that. Um, but again, it, it they're even with the the graph traversal and, and the graph plugin for Elastic, they're fitting slightly different use cases, right? Um, one being more like text filtering and, and search filtering, and the other one being a little bit more exploratory and, and analytic based. You know, Solar versus Elastic. So even within the the competing feature sets, shall we say, there are still slants, it seems like, um, where Elastic is more on the, the, the BI side of search, whereas Solar is a little bit more on the, the traditional text side of search. Yeah, and I, th- I, think, I think you hit on something there that, that I see is kind of the really great thing about the fact that we've got these two open source platforms that are kind of uh, going a little bit toe-to-toe, right? So, so neither of them have to spend the time going how did they do that, <laughs> right? Because they can just go look and say, oh, that's exactly how they did it. But then they can go, how do we do that in a way that fits our model and talks to our customer base and talks to our strategy, right? So you you get this, they both get to benef- benefit from the, the kind of the rapid, uh, you know, a- addition of features. But instead of fin- spending the time on building the core of the feature, they get to spend the time on how to really make it fit into their into their structure and their view of the world, which I think it's kind of the exciting side of this. You don't have an open source person competing with a closed uh, closed system. You've got two that, that they got nothing to hide. The co- everybody can read the code, <laughs> right? But how are you going to kind of do it differently? Right. So so there, there are some, you know, uh, places, however, that, that Solar has added some features that I don't know that Elasticsearch is ever really going to embrace. And I, I think probably one of the biggest ones that I'd like to point out is the streaming aggregation framework. And this was uh, committed by, I think, Eric Erickson and uh, Joel Bernstein and, and a few of the other committers. And effectively, what it did is it, it turned Solar into a full-blown map-reduce framework. Um, so... 
in in a way, those guys in the community are actually taking solar a little bit closer to like the big data, you know, map reduce sort of environment. And I don't see the same sort of thing happening on the elastic side. And and maybe that's just because I haven't, you know, heard a, a press release or something about it. And I'm sure they're thinking about it. But one of the interesting things on the solar side that this allowed for was uh, a proper JDBC device driver for solar. So for developers that actually want to query solar from their code exactly as they would query a database, they can do it, right? And I think it's really only in the most recent release, or like 6.3 of Elastic, that uh, they're starting to talk about supporting this uh, a JDBC driver. So again, it's it's one of the things like, oh, this community had it first, and then that one gets it, and, and vice versa. Um, but uh, I, some of the things that I'm seeing coming up in the, the streaming aggregation framework, in addition to supporting full-blown SQL and, and JDBC support, um, is a lot of machine learning that's actually built on top of the index itself. And I think that's really exciting stuff. And and a lot of the um, numerical analysis, statistical analysis, and time series analysis uh, that's that's coming from uh, the, the streaming aggregation framework. I mean, you would never think of solar as a, a platform that allows you to do large-scale four-year transforms. But now it does. <laughs> you know, like, these these are things that were relegated to, like, digital signal processors. And now we're starting to see features, uh, you know, looking for aliens, SETI at home, whatever it is, uh, showing up in search engines themselves. Um, and I haven't seen Elasticsearch's answer to to that yet. Yeah, I think, and and we've spoken a lot, you know, Pete and others on this podcast around, you know, AI, machine learning. We actually, you know, Jeff Fried and I just finished one not too long ago. Um, but I think that that one of the things that we've been seeing a lot of, and I think both, you know, anyone who's looking at implementing a search engine needs to understand that there there's actually an additional set of value here that once you get all this data in the in the place your ability to implement machine learning and to and to integrate with some of the AI capabilities out there you know Google or Microsoft what they're doing uh, you know a lot of those take a lot of big data sets uh, and a search a search engine gives you a way to manage and access that data set so so don't forget that either way you go, there is some benefit here and what you'll start seeing with, with both what they do internally with machine learning and then what you can do now that you've aggregated all that data into your index to then go and leverage uh, into any of your kind of AI or, or ML-based uh, applications, I think is is a great benefit for anybody. And they should they should know about that. For, for certain. I mean, actually, if you look at the explosion of people building and training and using in production neural networks and deep neural networks, um, the, the number one problem that you always have with those networks, as a matter of fact, is the exact same number one problem that enterprises have primarily solved with their search engine technology right now, right? In that at the end of the day, in order to get good relevancy out of your search engine, you want to make sure that all of your data gets indexed in a way that's relatively consistent. The data is pretty well formatted and normalized, or, or denormalized, shall I say, uh, and, and available for querying. Well, as a matter of fact, if you look at the input and output layers of neural networks, uh, they look for that relatively well formatted data uh, coming in. So all of that investment that enterprises have made over the past, you know, 20, 30 years and their search infrastructure and all the ETL that goes into that 
Well, effectively, that's the same sort of infrastructure that needs to be in place to really train and take advantage of, you know, the the advances in artificial intelligence and deep learning that are that are occurring now. So there's, there's a huge amount of overlap. You guys, I'm I'm worried that after this whole conversation, neither of you are going to commit to picking a winner. <laughs> you don't think? You don't think? <laughs> well, I, I think this is... I think I have I think I have one that that to me. You know, I don't think there's a great answer one way or the other, but I do have one area that I think that one is a kind of a winner of the other. I'm interested in in what Kevin thinks, but but as I look at it, there's there's certainly the the code based aspect of this, but but let's let's flip it and talk about the the you know the maintainability or what we'll call DevOps, right? So so develop you know, somebody's got to spin this up, somebody's got to put the servers behind it, right? Um, and I think and that from what I'm seeing or what I'm hearing. The elastic sides kind of win in that battle, and, and it probably stems from the fact that that they're actually operating a business running it, right? So, so they've got to make it so they can manage it, right? So, so their ability, you know, from the manageability, ease of installation, you know, kind of troubleshooting, what's it using on my disk, what's it doing on memory, what's garbage collection doing, statistics, all of that. Elastic's got a lot of stuff there that makes it, from a DevOps perspective, pretty easy to run. Uh, I don't have a lot of experience on the solar side. I know they have some metrics API and some stuff that's coming up, but but interesting to, is 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 what I'm seeing there right, Kevin? Do you do you think the same thing? Are they winning the DevOps battle on the Elastic side? They're they're definitely duking it out, and and for certain, like Elasticsearch has been kind of from the get go always really intended to be very cloud centric with a cloud manager and all that sort of stuff. And, and if you look back at the the essence of of solar. It was um, uh, server on Lucene with rep- replication, right? So it it did, and it was kind of a very fixed sort of structured environment where you had a you know a bunch of shards across servers and a defined set of replicas. Um, Elastic kind of took a much more dynamic approach to that from day one, where adding machines or removing machines from the cluster was was managed through their consistent set of APIs, right? They have their cluster APIs, node APIs, all that stuff in Elastic. Whereas it wasn't until about version 6.0 with Solar, a little bit later than 6.0, where the, the collection API really kind of came into its, its own. Um, so I think probably Solar historically has lagged behind in some of those operational aspects. Uh, they're getting better, but still not necessarily closing the gap 100% on Elasticsearch. Um, two more things that I'd actually like to bring up on that. Um, the the first one you mentioned about the code base, and there there are a handful of places in Solar that you know it really just kind of feels like some of the code although it works and is very efficient, is a little bit convoluted in some places. Um, one example historically has probably been around hit highlighting. Um, whereas in Elasticsearch, I feel like it probably had better architectural governance on the on the code that was put together for that. So maybe some of the, the code is a little bit cleaner and more maintainable uh, there. And then the, the last sort of point that I'd like to point out is um, that there's a sort of a learning curve. And I think that the, the learning curve is what really made Elasticsearch get adopted as much as it has. Um, because it, not to say that it's brain dead simple, but to do a very simple application, Elasticsearch from day one has made it, let me just download the software, let me start up the server, 
don't even have to think about anything. I'll just hit the Elastic Index or Elastic Server, create an index, and start pumping data in, and it magically figures out what my schema is. We'll, we'll go into that. Um, but the the barrier to entry there, the learning curve was very flat. It's very simple for people to get started. Now, as soon as you wanted to go deeper than that, it begins getting very difficult. But for the very simple, get something up and running, build a POC, Elasticsearch is just way easier. The learning curve on solar, a little bit steeper in the beginning, uh, but you reap the benefits because you are already deeper into the technology and you will end up understanding it more. It might be like, a, this is kind of an interesting analogy that kind of came to me, is that you know maybe Elasticsearch is a little bit more like the, the Apple sort of mentality, don't make me think, just make it work. Whereas solar might be a little bit more about the uh, the Android sort of approach, where <clears throat> you know you're exposed to a lot of those details. I think, I think that's a great point. I mean, I think I think when you think about the you know certainly the the adoption of Elastic is is huge, right? So you see, it and, and I think you make a great point, which I mean, a lot of a lot of the adoption. So you have people that are building applications, and they they're and they go. Someone says, "Hey, you got to have search in this," and they're like. Ugh. I don't want to. I don't want to work on that. I'm working on this, right? I'm I'm building whatever next great thing that I've got, and I'm solving all these problems. And Elastic does make it easy for you to to put something in, and you're gonna get if your if your search requirements are very, you know, just make sure I can search the data that I put in and give somebody back some some pretty decent relevancy. Yeah, you probably can do that pretty fast. But I think you make a great point, and I've I've heard it described as if you're if you have very specific and nuanced kind of relevancy requirements about how the system needs to handle certain bits of data, and you really need to get in there on that level. Uh, that 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 solar is going to help you do that a little bit faster. While while if you have a kind of the more generic, I need to provide search capability. I'm a I'm a I'm a app shop, and I'm I'm rolling this thing out, and I just can't roll it out without search. But it's a it's a you know secondary, and I don't want to minimize it in any way. That may be one of the initial decision factors for someone to make. Yeah, I mean cost, timeline for delivery. You know whether or not you have engineers that that are available to help you one way or the other, you know can can really help influence your decision on which technology to go for, right? I you made a comment, uh, Kevin, about schemas. Do you want to talk a little bit about schemaless and and uh, why that's a relevant uh, topic for us here? So good, good segue, right? So from from day one, Elasticsearch is always touted being completely schemaless and. Don't even have to worry about it. Just automatically, automatically determines what the structure of your data is and should be. Um, and Solar has always kind of enforced that you you have a, a schema, and uh, you define here are the fields, here are the types of fields. This is a string. This is a t general text field. This is a date. This is a number. Um, Solar also had the concept of a dynamic field, so you could use like wild cards on your field names, you know, anything star dot or star underscore S would be indexed as a string or or star underscore D as a, a date, for example. <clears throat> so so you did have some concept of a dynamic schema in solar, but it wasn't nearly as, as free form as what uh, Elastic has from, from the get go saying like, other than a document ID, do whatever you want. <laughs> it's kind of the kind of the idea. And I think that this was really enticing to people uh, until they actually started using it. And I think that um, what ended up happening, and people started realizing this, is that Elastic would make the wrong decision sometimes about what data type was in a particular field. 
and forever from that point forward in your index, you are stuck with that wrong decision. And that's that's been a, a pain sticking point. So what ends up happening? People ultimately end up defining a, a schema, or as they call it in Elastic, a mapping. So I remember a lot of the, a lot of the times when we talk about features, one versus the other, it's just a matter of vocabulary. Solar calls it a schema. Elastic calls it a mapping. So by Elastic having a mapping, sure, it's schema-less. It doesn't have a schema. It has a mapping. Well, between us all, it, it's the same thing. <laughs> so so but, but there are some, some pretty big differences between Elastic's mappings and, and Solar's schema in that Elastic allows you to uh, specify a set of fields and their types, a, a schema, per object type in the index. And, and this was nice because if you wanted to index a lot of different, like fundamentally different types of objects in your index, Elastic allows you to specify a schema or a mapping per object type in the index. And this was a feature that I think a lot of people liked. And it, it meant that the, the job of uh, data provenance and governance of specifying and, and defining your schemas was just a lot more freeform in Elasticsearch as, as, composed, as opposed to Solar. Well... To, to my shock, uh, fairly recently, Elasticsearch discovered that having schemas per type in their, their mapping uh, has been problematic, and I believe that they're moving away from supporting that. So I, I believe support for that is going away in, in a future version of Elasticsearch. And somebody can double-check and, and maybe reach out to me and tell me if I'm completely wrong about that. Uh, but recently, we were looking at uh, some upgrades of Elasticsearch, and we pretty heavily relied on this uh, mapping per type uh, concepts, and to discover that Elasticsearch is abandoning that uh, is kind of an interesting thing. It's, it doesn't necessarily say that Elastic went out in the wrong direction to start with, um, but they are aligning with more of a solar convention for how, how the uh, index is laid out. I, I thought that was kind of an interesting yeah, I think, I think it's a funny point, and, and I think back to when I, I agree, right? So the schema uh, and what Elastic touted. It's always funny, though. I've never, I've never had a lot of success looking at developers and going, "Don't worry, the system's just going to do it for you. You don't have to worry about it." They tend to look at me a little skeptical when I say that. They're very, very questioning, right? They're like, "Are, are you sure?" <laughs> right. Sure, for for a POC, makes perfect sense. Don't care about it. Just slam some stuff in, make some rapid changes. But as soon as you actually care about like fine tuning anything, you know, maybe it's you want to run an aggregation on a field, so you want to have it not analyzed or not tokenized versus another field that you want free text on, or if you want to do sorting on it, uh, is it going to be a case-insensitive sort? Do blank value show up at the beginning or the end? All of a sudden, now you have to deal with these semantics and details. So I guess it's that, that sort of that barrier to entry. It's like, cool, you get in very quick, you can get your data in, you can start seeing some results coming back very quickly, but almost immediately, you're going to have to go in and, and tune that that mapping or schema. Well, yeah, uh, gents, as we get to wrapping up here, I I hope that uh, as as listeners, you may find our Elastic versus Solar Smackdown unsatisfactorily lacking in a clear victor. But I, <laughs> I hope you find uh, that this deeper dive is illustrative of some of the key issues that can help define your development decisions. Sean and Kevin, thank you very much for your help today. Great. Happy to be here. 
Pete, thank you so much. I had a, a great time chatting about this. You know, uh, for those who are, are listening and have made it all the way to the end here, are there any key resources that you recommend, key assets that help you to, uh, you know, make your own decisions in this area that we can put in the links in the show notes? Uh, where would you like to point people? Yeah, that's a good question. I, usually I say, use the source, Luke. <laughs> that's always a good resource. <clears throat> One, one of the one actually one that I will call out right right now is what the, the community more or less has been maintaining and contributing to uh, on Lucene's side, and there is a website solarverseelastic.com. and generally speaking, the the community kind of keeps that up to date, and it, it really is this sort of like head to head feature comparison. So if you want that like bullet list, you know, report card between the two of them, I would take a look at solarverseelasticsearch.com. That is a great resource, and I'll add to it. And I will, and I will say, I, I think we can be we can be definitive in one way here, Pete. Which is there there are a couple of clues that maybe would tell you to go one way or the other, but they're not they're not what you think, right? If you're if you're all Java developers, only Java, and you already use things like Zookeeper, well, probably tend to tend to Solar. If you're Ruby, PHP, and you live and breathe JSON, maybe you want to go Elastic. If you're somewhere in the middle, listen to the whole podcast and make your own call. <laughs> I think that's a very, very apt uh, breakdown of it. Outstanding. And Kevin, as a first timer, where would you like to point people to learn more about you and your work? Sure. Um, so, by all means, take a look at uh, kmwllc.com. That's uh, our, our consulting company. We've been doing search stuff for eight years together. Prior to that, I was at Ativio, and prior to that, a uh, senior architect at Fast Search and Transfer for those people who've been around that long. Um, so always happy to talk search, technology, AI, data integration, or even if you want to talk about robots, let's, let's talk about that too. Oh, outstanding. Thank you again, Kevin Waters. We appreciate your time and attention today. Uh, and thank you everybody who has downloaded and uh, has listened to this show. We appreciate you. We appreciate you uh, coming back to us week after week and learning more about search, intelligent search, and all these fantastic topics on behalf of Kevin Waters. Uh, and and our our wonderful regular contributor, Sean Coleman. Uh, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time right here on Shared Insights, the podcast from BA Insight.